Welcome to Make This Your Podcast, where I'll be giving you the roadmap and inspiration you want and need to scale your life's work with digital courses and schools. I'm your host, Destiny Berman, course marketer and digital strategist. Are you ready to make the shift and reinvent your work online? Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome back. So today's episode, I want to dive into why tracking and measuring your data is important, especially when it comes to online marketing, even if this topic may seem not so exciting in the beginning, but I'll share with you what my members and students have learned and the breakthroughs that have come from looking at data and guess what? Being willing to take yourself out of the story. That's the permission and the freedom that data allows us. I also want to dive into hiring mistakes. We've been getting a lot of questions around how how to hire and what to look for when it comes to hiring. First and foremost, one of the gifts of digital marketing is the ability to track. Now, yes, there are certainly limitations to tracking, especially with what's going on in the landscape with privacy and cookies. However, we're still able to track more than we used to in the offline world. In the previous days, I get this was a long time ago, but you put up a billboard as part of your marketing campaign and the ability to track who saw the billboard, who took action was a lot more challenging. And now with online, you can track even at a very simple, basic level who opted into your campaign, from where, when did they email your email system, when did they enter your customer database, how many emails they opened, when they opened. So even at a very foundational level, when it comes to digital, we are able to track activity. And based on that, we can then track which campaigns are performing. And as a result of that, which campaigns are performing and driving revenue, and what our actual customer lifetime value is. Because when it comes to online, we need to look at short-term and long-term. There are some campaigns that will immediately generate ROI, but there are also some campaigns that will take longer to yield three, six months. And it's why I recommend looking at data at least once a week. An action item for you, if you don't already have this in place, is to pull data, either by you or your team, minimum of once a week, two to three times a week is stronger, especially if you have ad campaigns running. I look at my campaigns Monday through Friday, so five days a week, is to be getting into the practice of looking at your data every single week. And in fact, I recommend looking at how much your list is growing every single day or at least five days a week. But you want to be looking at your data every single week to evaluate how your list is growing. How are people engaging with your content? How are your ads performing? And to have a pulse on the digital landscape of your business. Now, what's useful to know is one, which campaigns are performing. So is it the webinar campaign? Is it the video campaign? Is it the PDF? You also want to evaluate how the campaigns are coming together. 
because everything is ultimately leading to something else, which is why there's short-term yield and long-term yield. Just because a webinar does not bring in all the revenue right away, does it mean that the people who come through the webinar won't turn into a customer three, six, nine months from now? So if you're in it for the long haul, you have to be looking at short-term ROI and long-term ROI to accurately evaluate the performance of a campaign. A valuable contribution of data, in my opinion, especially when it comes to course launches, when it comes to building a business around our passion, around our life's work, is that it is difficult to take ourselves out of it. We put something up there in social media, we launch a campaign, and we don't get the response that we want. And what happens? Emotionally, internally, no one wants this. I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. This isn't good enough, right? I mean, that's what comes up for us. But the good thing about data is that it allows us to take the personal out of it, which is important and useful. There is an intellectual exercise to running successful digital campaigns, period. No matter how great the product is, no matter how personal and how deep of work this is for you, your content and your epiphanies and your lessons, that can come from your core, from your life's work, from lessons and moving through your trauma and getting to outcomes, can come from healing and big epiphanies and life experiences and life-changing stories and you wanting to make life-changing impact. That's great. But when you take that product and you take that program and you plug it into the marketing engine using leveraging advertising campaigns to grow your reach and leveraging follow-up campaigns and creative storytelling to move people from a contact to a customer. Well, now you're plugging into a marketing engine. And when you do this, it is important to take the you out of your campaigns. Otherwise, it's very difficult to make work. So you launch an ad campaign. You'd be surprised at how much of a threshold one has to cross this, even with launching an advertising campaign. You're putting your ads out there. There's a lot of people who'll see it. And let's face it, there's a lot of people who are not kind with how they communicate on the internet. That's just the reality. So you put it out there and you don't get the kind of response that you may like. Let's look at the data. How many people actually looked at the ad? And what are the benchmarks and the conversion metrics that you want to be looking at along the way? How many people looked at the ad? How many people clicked on the ad? How many people arrived at the landing page? How many people converted? How many people went into the follow-up sequence? There are benchmarks and data points along the way that as a digital marketer, even if you're a teacher, an expert, an educator, you'll want to be tracking. And what happens is this allows you to remove the emotional stories. Oh, it's not good enough. Is that really the case? Or do you have to drive more traffic, more eyeballs to the ad? Or is it because your landing page, the opt-in page, isn't as clear? 
And so you need to tweak the messaging because the conversion on that landing page isn't high enough. Or is it that your webinar content needs to be shorter? So what happens is when you use data correctly and you're looking at data at a minimum of a weekly basis, you get to let the data tell you what decision points to make when and where instead of it being this emotional, oh, it's not working, it's never going to work and I'm a failure right? The other thing you want to keep in mind when you're looking at data is that you only want to make one change at a time. And look, I've been guilty of this where I want to fix everything all at once. But when you're using data to inform your decisions, what happens is if you're making more than one change at a time, you're not going to know what was the impact of it. So it also slows you down and it also forces you to go deeper. Now, I'm not suggesting that you're you're taking weeks and months to make a change. I'm suggesting one change per week. You just don't want to make three changes all in one week. Does that make sense? So the heart of data, in my opinion, is you want to use it to inform your decisions, to be able to take the you out of it, and for you to be able to track the digital growth of your business. Is it moving in the right direction? Or do you need to make shifts? It also informs you how much to invest in your business, whether it's investing in advertising, investing in knowledge, investing in team. So now I want to talk about hiring. If you haven't had a chance to check out my episode on adapting and moving from a solopreneur to a leader, the CEO of your company, you'll definitely want to check that out in the show notes. Because at some point, if your business is evolving and growing, you will need to hire. We all hit our hiring limitations. Number one, wow, can I really, you know, can I really do this? And, you know, it triggers people being dependent on you. So responsibility, sometimes not wanting to be that responsible. And it also triggers, well, what if I can't generate a business and a company that is going to support this infrastructure. And what if I were to lose money? What if I were to let people down? I mean, how many of us have felt this? The reality is that at some point we can't grow until we hire. And my first recommendation is to start simple. You know, having first and foremost a virtual assistant to help you with your course launches will take a lot of setup and implementation tasks off your plate. Number two is to be honest with yourself what you actually need to delegate and what you need to let go of. Because believe it or not, many of us want to hold on to more than we are willing to admit because we start to lose control. So the question is, well, how can I stay in control while delegating and moving things off my plate? Well, this will be a combination of the right person in the right role. You're not going to know this unless you're willing to be crystal clear with yourself everything you're working on right now, and what you're going to take off your plate. So you want to list everything out you're working. You want to circle the ones that you're passionate about, that comes naturally, that you're excited to get to. These are typically the things that you're going to check off first thing in the morning because you like to do it, or you complete it very quickly. Then you want to circle the things that you would like to have off your plate. And then you want to note and signal the things that you absolutely want off your plate. 
And once you categorize and organize everything that you're working on inside your business, it will become clear in terms of the roles and who you need to hire next. Then you want to look at, okay, well, which role is going to support me in getting more revenue faster? Now, it's not just about bringing in an outside consultant to help you grow your revenue. Sometimes it's investing more in advertising, and sometimes it's actually investing in a implementation role so that it frees you up to generate more revenue, especially if you enjoy generating revenue. So it's not always a direct, oh, I'm going to hire someone to help bring in more revenue. You want to look at, okay, so with where I am right now and with what I want to get off my plate, which row will have the biggest impact on bringing in the most amount of revenue as quickly as possible because that allows you to reinvest in your business and fuel growth. A mistake that I have made is hiring too late because sometimes we... We need to catch ourselves. Are we waiting for the proof to come in before we take a risk? And the truth is hiring will have a inherent element of risk to it. You don't know this person's going to work out even with all the vetting and referrals in the world. You don't know where the business will evolve because industry shifts, market shifts, people shift. In my professional opinion, there will always be an element of risk inherent with hiring. But if you're waiting for things to be so certain and so sure before you hire, ultimately, you probably hire too late because you can only go so far on your own. And if you are not willing to take discerning, calculated risk of stretching yourself to either hire know-how or to hire implementation or to take calculated risk with investing in marketing, you're not going to be able to grow. So hiring mistake number one is to know that it is not possible to plan for everything. And the only thing you can do within your control is to do your best with identifying the role and the task you want to delegate. Mistake number two is hiring too late. And mistake number three is to not be aware of your own blocks when it comes to outsourcing, when it comes to delegating, when it comes to your management style. We all have blind spots when it comes to leading, when it comes to working with people, especially when there is integration and codependency. So the question is, are you willing to be honest with yourself when it comes to seeing and identifying your own blind spots so that you can create a team and a culture that you love? I mean, how many times have I hired the wrong person because I believed there was no one else out there? And I was afraid. I was afraid that if I waited too long, I would have missed out. Or how many times have I hired great people, but because I was too afraid to let go of control and I ended up being in this micromanager role and all all over the place. And in too much in the day-to-day that one, it didn't free me up. Two, it wasn't an enjoyable experience for the person. And so we weren't able to create a lasting relationship. And when I reflect on the times that I've come up against myself, not willing to let go of control, too afraid to hire a little earlier to take that risk, or not even being honest with myself, wow, I'm afraid to expand. I say I want to hire 
I say I want to grow a revenue and to grow success, but I'm actually afraid to expand. And so being willing to admit that and own that within ourselves will free us up. Because today, I've never had a stronger team. And it's it's continuing to get stronger and leaner and more efficient. And I know that things will change. You could have the right person on your team, but something will show up for them. And something will have to shift. And so you do your best with having systems and documentation and processes in place. But know that when you start to rely on more people and have this ecosystem of people and processes and ideas all working together, that things will shift and things will change. You can't control it all. And it's not possible to plan for and to anticipate everything. But you can do your best. And the clearer you are with how you want to take risks with your own blind spots will allow you to lead from a more powerful place and to build a team where the culture is there and it's in alignment of your values and people get to show up clear on their mission, excited to be working in the business and doing the things that they love. And that is the most ideal and hopeful vision that we can all create, that everyone is showing up to their jobs, doing what they love and it being true for them. So thank you for tuning in. If you want to catch my free training, the five myths that are in the way of you having a digital course business, click on the link in the show notes. I dive into what's in the way of you moving forward and taking that next step to grow your business. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am thrilled you're here. The resources and action items mentioned in this episode can be found at destinyberman.com backslash podcast. To continue the conversation, join me inside my Facebook group, Shift with Success. And if you're loving this podcast, do me a favor and share it with a friend. Until next time, your destiny awaits. Bye for now.